This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Bonfire night may be upon us and Jurgen Klopp's men may well be capable of providing yet more fireworks in the Champions League. But time here on Blood Red to hit the rewind button for the latest instalment of The Road to Istanbul. I'm Guy Clark and here on Blood Red, this is our now regular Champions League themed pod where if you haven't been with us before, we reminisce on the Reds' victorious fifth European Cup triumph in Istanbul back in 2005. Of course, this summer Jurgen Klopp will be hoping to lead the Reds back to Istanbul 15 years on from when Rafa Benitez's Liverpool provided the greatest comeback in European Cup final history ahead of the fourth Champions League game back in the autumn of 2004 as Liverpool prepared to visit Deportivo La Coruña they sat on four points from three games with the latest result having been a goalless draw at Anfield with the Spanish side usually alongside me here for the road to Istanbul is our resident red Dan Kay but unfortunately this time out I'm flying solo but I am joined in the studio by a special guest for this episode, and that is Stephen Warnock. Stephen, thanks a lot for your time and thanks for coming in. First things first, how are you? I'm good, not too bad at all. Uh, fresh off the nice result last night, Liverpool-Arsenal game, and uh, a highly entertaining game of football. So, yeah, things are good at the moment. And that was obviously an opportunity for a number of young players. And I suppose looking back to this 2004-05 se- season, it, it was your chance as a young player to break in at Liverpool. Yeah, it was. Uh, I'd just come back off the, the back of a low move to uh, from from Coventry, where I'd uh, spent the season. We had a change in manager, Jared Hulier left the club, and Rafa Benitez came in. Um, the the great thing for me when Rafa came into the club was that he'd done his homework on me. He knew all about me, uh, knew about the low move that I'd had, and um, yeah, basically just got told that I'd be going away on pre-season with the team to America, which was a huge thing for me to be involved in, and that. He wanted me to try and force my way into the team um, and to, to do as well as I can. So I just thought it was a great opportunity um, off the back of a, a strong season at Coventry to come in and, uh, and really stake a claim. And um, fortunately, that's what I did. Did that come as somewhat of a surprise? Because you, you say you've been out on a couple of loan moves, Gerard Houllier obviously facilitating those. And when Rafa Benitez comes in, a man who's won La Liga, he's been going deep in UEFA Cups and, and turned around to you and says, oh... I know how you've been getting on. Yeah. Was, I want to take you away on pre-season. Well, that was a complete stark contrast in what I'd had before uh, under Gerard Houllier. Um, I've been on the, away for the whole season at Coventry. I think I got a call in the, in the April, le, uh, back end of April, and that was the first contact I'd had with the club uh, about anyone coming to watch, about anyone wanting to speak to me. Um, I came back to the club and they offered me a, a new two-year deal, which was, in all honesty, a big surprise to me because I hadn't had that contact. There wasn't... Like there is now, where you have a you'll have a loan manager who'll yeah. look after you, so you've got a go-to guy. We didn't have that um, in two thousand and three four season. So to go from that, um, and then suddenly the manager saying he wants you and you're part of the plans, it was uh, it was brilliant. Now, how old were you? So it's fifteen years back now. Obviously, was it a season that you looked at? We spoke to Chris Kirkland for the last episode, and he sort of said he was around twenty three, twenty four at the time. This was my year. I was looking at. I needed to make a breakthrough into the first team. For you, I suppose it's probably a bit of a different situation. It was. It was because I'd had three, four years out the game with injury, and I was. I knew it was going to be a bit of an up and down sort of uh, route to get back into to playing, which it was. Uh, I was I broke my leg three times and then came back, went on loan to to Bradford, 
Picked up a hamstring injury while I was there, so cut short my loan deal there, um, which was a good three months. But then, again, luckily for me, Gary McAllister gets the Coventry job. I'd worked and played with Gary at, at Liverpool, so he knew what I was about. I knew what he was about. He offered me the opportunity to go to Coventry and I, and I snapped his hand off for it because I just felt that the change of scenery completely get me out of Liverpool, um, get me out of my comfort zone and I'm really pushing myself and... I got taught one of the biggest lessons when I was there was uh, Gary dropped me for three games and I was, I was devastated and it hurt so much and um, it was a period where you grow up and I felt that that time, that year spent away um, was vitally important and whether I thought it was hugely important to get into the Liverpool team, it was, but I knew I was fighting against... John Arnarisa to get in, Harry Kuhl at left midfield, because I was a left midfielder at the time. I was a left-back, left midfielder, centre midfielder, playing in different positions. So, obviously, you're stepping up from Coventry, you're going to Liverpool, and the competition becomes a lot stronger. So, for me, it was trying to get in and around the team, and then every opportunity that I got in the team um, was the chance to try and stake your claim to stay in it as long as you can. I knew it wasn't going to be that first season where I was just going to walk in the team, and, and that would be the end of it. That season, you mentioned you go away pre-season, but first competitive game of the season, the Champions League qualifier against Graz AK, and you make your Liverpool debut. Yeah, um, that was, uh, I mean, for a boyhood Liverpool fan growing up, uh, supporting the team, that was the, the ultimate dream to, to play in a competition like the Champions League as well, to come on for uh, Stephen Gerrard, who's the captain of the club and obviously... Uh, a legend of the club, but someone who I grew up with as well, um, watching, admiring, playing alongside. Uh, that was a, a special moment, not only for, for myself, but everyone who'd worked hard to get me back from my injuries. And that was that was the big key thing for me, was uh, the people behind the scenes who'd sort of helped me progress to get back on the pitch and to, to uh, fulfil my dream. Obviously, Jamie Carragher and Stephen Gerrard, the pin-up boys of the Liverpool team of this season and of this run, obviously playing such crucial roles. But yourself, the likes of Neil Mellor, Darren Potter, John Welsh, there was a big contingent of players who'd come through the academy there who, down at Melwood, were slaving themselves away week in, week out to be part of the squad and did play sort of your part through, obviously, the campaign as a whole. Yeah, I played a lot of games that season. Um, there was a lot of learning curves along the way where you don't play well and uh, you have to adapt to the golfing class of going from the Championship to the Premier League and then also you're not going into a team in the Premier League that's fighting relegation. You, you're trying to get into the Champions League space, uh, spots. You're trying to... Um, you're a scalp every single weekend, you're Liverpool football club. So again, testing times and uh, ones that I was lucky enough to share with a lot of lads who had come through at the academy with, whether that was older players or younger players. But we had uh, we had a great group of players in and around us. Did it give you guys almost that spirit, that Liverpool spirit? We, we see obviously the European Knights and they are legendary. You guys created your own with the Olympiacos game, with the games against Juventus, Chelsea... All of them sort of come back and there's so many memories of them all. But was it that spirit that you can't really teach on the training ground that you guys obviously with Liverpool in your heart, you sort of carried for the fans, I suppose? Yeah, possibly. Um, I think we had, um, when you've got players in your team like Stephen and he can change the game uh, in himself, I think. But you think back to that, that night in Olympiacos and Mella played a huge part in that. 
uh, Sonomar Pongol, another great character. Yeah, he wasn't from uh, grow grew up, but it was a, a he was a good character. He knew that he wasn't going to play every game, but when he when he did, he'd, he'd give his all. Um, and there was just a real good feeling about the squad um, that season. Rafa had changed the style of play, uh, more defensive, if you like, more tactically astute, uh, the way he approached games. And you always had that feeling with, with Rafa at the helm that you could win games or you could draw a game if you needed to win uh, draw a game. And that was the one thing I learnt from him, which was huge, was he'd often, he'd ask the players what result we needed before the game. And it was... Everyone have got. Well, we want to win, but he say, "Yeah, but a, a win doesn't necessarily. We don't necessarily need a win. We can draw this game." And you think he'd set us up to draw the game, and you would. You'd walk away with a draw, and you think, "Wow, it's, it's so impressive how he how he could get that into the mindset of the players." So, um, but we had all the great nights as the young lads all together, um, and we were fortunate to, to share some great occasions. And you said before about how when you were at Coventry, you were playing left midfield, left back and midfield as well. Was it that summer Rafa said to you, look, I see you as a left back? Because is that where that happened? Because primarily you obviously were playing at left back. For no, left-back. I came on at left midfield in my debut. Um, away at Tottenham, Premier League debut. Uh, I came on at left midfield as well. Then I started most of the games that I played uh, as a left midfielder. Bolton away, Norwich at home, Olympiacos away. Um, and then the infamous own goal by Jimmy against uh, Burnley. And I was playing left midfield ahead of Jimmy in that game and uh, Rafa just said, you're going to left back. And um, I played left back for the rest of that game, which is probably half an hour or so, if not maybe a little, little bit less. Um, next game I started at left back, I think it was. And uh, that was that. Um, I was suddenly a left back in Rafa's eyes. So it wasn't a great tactical thing of him saying, I, I, I see that the position for you. Maybe he thought that, but he just put you there. And- yeah, he just put me there in the game. And then um, after that in training, we spoke about it. He just said, I think you've got the attributes to play there. Um, I think he felt that I'd probably get more game time playing in that position. So for me, it was a little bit new. Um but I had played at Coventry a lot of times uh, the season before at left back as well, and then moved into centre midfield and left midfield. So, to be honest, I wasn't bothered though. Um, it was one of them where you try and learn on the spot as much as you can, and I was fortunate enough to have uh, a manager in Rafa who, who was willing to try and help you learn. Um, that was what he tried to do. He tried to teach you the position as much as he could, and um, yeah, that was that. And for a guy like yourself, who's obviously shown post retirement that. You're still involved heavily with football in the media and working for a manager like Rafa Benitez must have been a real eye-opener and something interesting to learn quite in detail the tactical side of the game. Yeah, it was. Um, I think you, a lot of the managers that you, you work for are uh, all about the training and all about high intensity, um, but the tactical aspect sometimes can go out the window. Uh, they'll have a little bit of an idea of what they want to do, but Rafa was really in depth with the way he looked at things and the way he organised teams. If you were half a yard out of position, you knew it, um, and that was it. Was good to to learn that growing up. Um, I I wish I'd have had Rafa at the age of twenty seven, twenty eight when I when I really appreciated it, when I really was at the height of my game, if you like playing as playing as well as I could play and um, and being a bit more experienced in myself and knowing what was expected of me. Um, so he probably come a little bit too early in my career, if I'm being honest. 
And in terms of the season as a whole, you said before you did play a lot of games that season, played 30 games, involved in over 40 as well, being in match day squads. And fourth game of the Champions League group stage, as we're at, away in Deportivo, it was a game where you were an unused substitute, but you said before that you had those moments along the road to Istanbul. And I suppose this game, you went into it, you'd won one, drawn one, lost one. You needed to get something, but these guys have been semi-finalists the year before. Yeah, but you're Liverpool Football Club and you're on the road and you're thinking they're as scared as they're more scared of us than we are of them. Um I just think we felt that a lot of people had not wrote us off, but they they were thinking we're not the Liverpool of old and um you can't do that. Uh with the, the quality that we had within the squad. We had players that were capable of winning games and uh yeah, it was um, one of them special nights. Even though I didn't get on the pitch, I remember sitting there thinking, "This is, this is a great result. This is, this is important for for the team as well." So, yeah, special nights. Yeah, I suppose it must have been one of those atmospheres away in Europe as a young player. You'd, you'd played at Bradford and Coventry. I think that would have been equivalent of League One and Championship yeah. now, as it were. And all of a sudden, you're. As I say, a team who'd reached the last four of the European Cup the year before. Yeah, not bad. Um, and that was that was something that, again, given more experience in that situation, you might handle things a little bit different. And um, but to, to to be on a front row seat to watch these games, to be part of it, um, because you are part of it. You've got to train with the team the night before. You've got to make sure that you're ready for everything. Um, you could have an injury going down in the first minute. So you, you've always got to be on top of your game, ready to be called upon at any point. Um, so, yeah, just enjoyable times. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. And talking of that spirit and, as you say, perhaps through the whole season, sides looking at Liverpool and thinking, you aren't Liverpool of old, but you having that inner still within you to pull these results out when, quite frankly, many probably thought they aren't capable of doing it. But you did it in this stage of the season in the Premier League. You're 10 games in. You're already four points behind, as it was Bolton at the time, who were fourth. But I think the weekend before this game, Jibril Cissé, of course, at Blackburn Rovers, broke his leg. Awful circumstance for him. But one of those, I imagine, in the dressing room where you're also upset from, but it unifies you and pulls you together because you want to continue for your teammate. Yeah, well, that's that's always a, a given. Whenever your teammate goes down, you you want to bounce back and you want to sort of show that you you're capable without that player, um, that you need to do well for that player as well. Um, it was a horrible time for him, uh, a horrific leg break, and um, one that you whether he fully recovered. From I'm not so sure. I think he'll admit that himself. It was always tough to come back from because of the way it happened. And um, but yeah, again the team spirit. You pull through. You get you get on with it. But that's like most changing rooms. Um, most changing rooms they they get big injuries during the season. You've got to crack on with it. We were no different. Um, I think like you say, the form wasn't amazing in the league, but we knew it was um, a transitional period for the club. Um, because Rafa coming in, he was trying to make changes, trying to buy players in, um, and it was slowly changing. How much did the knockout element, obviously post-Christmas into the second half of the season, suit you? Because you reached the League Cup final that year, obviously mentioned before the Burnley game 
in the FA Cup didn't go your way. But once it got to the knockout stages, over two games, a bit like the Liverpool side now under Jurgen Klopp, they go into a, yeah. a two-game tie and you think, over two games, I can't see a team beating them. Well, this is where Rafa came into his own. And again, it was the tactical knowledge of knowing how to go away to Juventus to nullify them, to make it difficult, how to frustrate them, to do the same to to Chelsea as well. Um, I think there was by Leverkusen when we went there, they were a good team at the time. Um, they were a team who had quality players and we went there and got an, what I thought was an incredible result because they were flying in Bundesliga at the time, uh, a real good team. Um, and we ended up winning, I think it was 3-1 on the night and I think that suddenly raised a few eyebrows around Europe again to think, hang about, they're, they're a tough team to play against and um, tactically they're very good. And I suppose it showed that the game against Olympiacos was no flash in the pan because you beat them 3-2 both legs, 6-2 on aggregate and it was, as you say, an eye-opener. It must have been to the rest of the competition of, of Liverpool here. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that was it. It was just... Uh, yeah, the, Olymp- the Olympiacos night was so special for for everyone um, but then the, the Leverkusen games were for me were just unbelievable um, I played away uh, I, I, in that arena and you're thinking this is what you've you've wanted your whole career to play in an, in an atmosphere like this and playing uh, in the last 16 of the Champions League for me it was uh, it, it's still the best game I've ever played for Liverpool um, it's one that just sticks out in my mind. It was one of them sort of perfect nights where everything goes right for you, um, and I'll never forget that night. You can see the smile itching its way across your face <laughs> as you talk about it. But once you got to the final, was that a tinge of disappointment for you? Because I, I looked through it before, and bar Dudek, Risa, Hippier, Finnan, and Carragher, up to the final, you were the only other player who'd been involved in all of the matchday squads, yet for the final, you weren't. Yeah, that that was tough to take. Um, I was actually involved in it and then got taken out of it, which was even harder to take. So, um, but it, it's strange. I still look at us. I, I I don't go down as a Champions League winner, which is incredible. Uh, I didn't get a medal. You don't get things like that. So when you're not in the squad for the final, which is all changed now. Um, but I know I played my part in it. Yeah, um, more than played your part. Yeah. Yeah, in the back of my mind, I'm. I'm more than happy with what I did along the way and, and contributed to it. The disappointment, like you say, is to be involved all the way through and then for that last game um, to be taken out of it was uh, was tough to take. So you were, so you'd done the training because you played the last league game of the season. Against Aston Villa. Yeah. yeah, yeah, played the last game and then um, you have that break, don't you, until yeah. the, the, the final. Um, trained, went well and then the squad goes up and I'm in the squad and I'm thinking, great. And then get a phone call a couple of hours later. Uh, we've made a mistake with the squad. You're not in the squad. Uh, Hosemi's oh, being put into the squad and you've been taken out of it. We made an error. Um, but again, the disappointing thing was that it didn't come from Rafa. It came from Paco, the number two. And I, that's where I sort of decided that I wanted to leave the club. I was going to say, because I, I didn't know the story about you, you being taken out of the, the squad, but... You you were around for the next year and and then left after a bit of a protracted move to Blackburn Rovers did eventually play out but that moment it, it sounds especially a young player beginning part of your career yeah to have been involved in match day squads to then 
think you're there. I imagine you've probably told in those two hours that you thought you were in the team. You must have told absolutely everyone. It cost me a fortune. <laughs> book tickets, book flights for family. Um, and then suddenly it's taken away from me. And I think there was a, a sense of, well, if you're not involved now, then we're, we're not going to come across and watch because what's the point? Uh, you're definitely not getting on the pitch. Um, so, yeah, it was it was highly disappointing. But the, the big sort of issue for me was that it wasn't the first time it had happened within the season. There'd been issues before that where Rafa had made mistakes on squads with me, um, not other players, it had just been me. So it's, it's one, I look back at it now and people think, well, why do you bring it up? You sound bitter towards it. And in a way I am because it's simple errors that you, you shouldn't make. Um, yeah. And that was the disappointing thing. But when it's the biggest game in football uh, in the world, uh, for me, it's the biggest game in, in world football. It's bigger than the World Cup final. Uh, everyone, you've got the the best two teams in Europe and in club competitions going at it. And I just think it's an, an amazing occasion. And uh, I had it and then it got took away. Did you end up going out with... Yeah, we all went out. We went out to watch it. Um, there was a... Uh, we had all the ex, all the, all the players who weren't involved, um, cup tied players, players who were injured. So we all travelled together, um, and then we uh, we managed to get on the pitch after the game. As I say, we spoke to Chris Kirkland episode before, and he said he didn't get a medal himself either. He thought he'd gone to one of the backroom staff or wherever, lost in translation along the way. But also revealed that you guys, himself, yourself, Neil Mello, were part of the group who were stuck in Turkey and unable to bit the celebratory parade as well. Yeah, that was disappointing as well because um, you come back after the get. Well, the game finishes. We all go back to the hotel as a party, um, and then rather than putting the whole squad on the same plane again, it's separated. Uh, the players fly back with the wives and things like that, and we're stuck in Turkey. We don't get back, and I end up watching the parade on on the TV. I mean, it's, it's gone from speaking of such highs of your first full season as a Liverpool player and reaching the Champions League final to what the last few minutes have become quite of, of a disappointing and, and down, downbeat tone. But I suppose doing things like this, talking about it and everything, as you say, you more than played your part. Oh, yeah. In the road to yeah. Istanbul. It must... I more than played my part. Um, but people have such fond memories of Istanbul. Um, but there's a there's a small section of us that don't like talking about it. We don't enjoy uh, sort of remembering what happened to us and not being part of it. And that was the disappointing thing was, again, the the apology or the lack of apology from the club um, that didn't come to us. And we came back for the first day of pre-season and Rafa pulled us. And I, I actually said it to him. I said, you're far too late with your apology. This should have been done a long time ago. Um, to miss the parade, I mean, you've got lads who've scored vital goals in vital games in the stages in the Champions League to get us out of the groups um, who were not even on that parade. I, I thought it was very poorly handled. And I must say, I don't think that would happen now. Uh, yeah. I think the club's in a completely different state of mind uh, behind the scenes, the way everything's handled. Um, but I thought that was really poor. It's, it's one of those modern-day football and how it is now, despite it only being 15 years ago, that... I imagine every player now who plays any any minute in a Champions League campaign would be given a medal as mm. issue. As you say, parades would be held up. I suppose the club 
Dan, who regularly co-hosts the podcast with me, always talks about how this was only Liverpool's third ever Champions League campaign. So, in effect, in effect, it, it was quite a new experience at the time for the club as well. That's no excuse. No, 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 and no, it, no. And I, I know what you mean, but to to have lads who've played in the squad and you yeah. you can't even get them back on the same plane, put the wives and the girlfriends on a separate plane. They haven't won the Champions League. They haven't been the ones. Yes, they've played the part in it and the behind the scenes supporting the the, the boyfriends and the, the husbands and things like that. But um, to to miss out on that, that was one of the things because I, I I've seen. Well, like I say, I watched it on on TV. But to be part of that, growing up as a as a Liverpool fan and and not not be able to to get on the bus, not be able to see that, um, that was tough to take. It was one of those occasions that, as a Liverpool fan, you'd be there. If you weren't a player, you would have been there. You I would, would have been there supporting been there. it. And so, therefore, as a player, the one thing you'd expect is is to be there. Yeah, I mean, everyone always talks about. Well, one of the big things for Rafa that season was about the squad. Everything he always talked about was the squad. He was the first real person to bring in rotation, squad rotation. Yeah. So it wasn't just about the 18, it was about the 25, if you like. And it just didn't feel like that when it got down to the bare bones of it and you got to the to the final and then everything, the celebrations afterwards. I know you played another 30 games the following season, but the way you speak about it, it, it sounds your Liverpool career really, I suppose, mentally under Rafa Benitez at that time. The trust had gone, was yeah, I'd say? Yeah, I'd say so. Um, it just got to that point where I thought, uh, enough's enough, I want to go and play football. I'd had a few inquiries from other clubs because I was playing every one in two, every one in three at Liverpool and I wanted to play. I, I was I was finding it tough with the squad rotation because I think if you knew you were going to play every other week, you can prepare for that. Um, but it wasn't. You'd play two, three on the bounce and you'd be out for four or five and... Um, that was just difficult to take and to try and stay fit for. And I just thought, I don't want this. I want the challenge of playing week in, week out. I'd been in the England squads while I was at Liverpool and I knew if I wanted to become an England squad member regularly, I needed to play regular as well. Uh, I'd spoke to Sven-Goran Eriksson about it when I was there and he said, you need to play more often. Um, so, yeah, that that sort of, it made my mind up anyway that I, I wanted to leave. It was just trying to make sure that I, I could get out. And I suppose one, even after you'd left Liverpool years later, 20th anniversary of the Hillsborough disaster, and of course you were captain of Blackburn Rovers and mm. led out with the floral tribute in front of the cop. That must have been a, a, I know you would have been back to Anfield before then, but that must have been a, a great homecoming. I know it's not about you, but yeah. being, being that man. No, the, it was the... God, the greatest honour I've ever had bestowed upon me. Um, to be asked to do that for the families of, of Hillsborough was, yeah. I mean, I was walking down crying my eyes out thinking, how the hell am I going to do this? It was one of them moments where I, I knew what it meant um, because I grew up supporting the club. Um, and it was, yeah, it was, I, I mean, it's on my all my social media pages now. It's still the picture that I, I hold dearest to me to, to be able to walk up and to do that in front of the cop um, yeah I was I was more than happy to do that well Stephen it's been great to, to chat with you and go through your memories good at and bad but certainly I think that's a, a fitting place to end yep thank you very much
Stephen Warnock recounting his memories along the road to Istanbul. And while they may be tinged with disappointment on a personal level, there's no better place than to end with his personal connection with the cop. Of course, on the 20th anniversary of the Hillsborough disaster during his playing days with Blackburn Rovers. Well, next time out on the road to Istanbul is a trip to come to the Principality as the Reds were on their travels once more to Monaco this time, who, like Liverpool before them, had just suffered a 1-0 away defeat to Olympiakos. The group really tightening up then as that fifth crunch group game were to come around. There's more to come then, but until then, thanks for your time and bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.